And this week we're going to, to move into a new series called No Less Than Christ from the book of Colossians. And so we're going to be going through this book, learning about Christ and talking about Christ as we lead up to Easter, and then we'll continue on with the book um, after Easter. I want to briefly introduce the series real quick before I talk about the message today. Um, the this sermon title of the series, the series title is called No Less Than Christ. And the reason why I picked that is the book of Colossians sort of has two things that it's really focusing on. One is it gives us this picture of Christ almost nowhere else that is found in the, in the scriptures. I mean, there, there's some incredible passages about Christ in the book of Hebrews. In the beginning of John, has a few verses about in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. But in Colossians, we have this incredible description of who Christ is. I mean, it, it's, it's astounding. And if our faith, you know, is all about Christ... It'd be pretty good to know that. And as we're moving towards Easter, where we celebrate you know, this time where Christ gave his life, he died willingly for us and accomplished these incredible things for us. Having this understanding in mind as we move towards Easter is just, it just makes all the difference in the world. And so, so the concept of no less than Christ is, I don't want us to have like this muted view of Christ. This sort of distorted or this less than view of who Christ is. So on the one hand, I want us to say no less than Christ. So as we look at this book of Colossians, each week we're going to be discovering, wow, that's really who Christ is. I don't want to have a smaller shadow image. I want to see the real, vivid who Christ is. The other thing that happens in Colossians is it's not only describing who Christ is, it's just like, how should we live in light of that? How should understanding who he is and what he's done actually impact us? How should that play out in our day-to-day lives? How should it affect how we think of ourselves and how we think of others? What we say, what we do, our relationships, our work. And so, so in other words, we have to sort of make this decision. Are we going to pursue all the other things? Are we going to be distracted in our life? Or are we going to keep our focus on Christ in our lives? Is he going to be the center and the focus? And so, so I try to catch both. That's why I chose this sort of ambiguous title. Because for me, I want that to catch both things. On the one hand, I don't want to have a view of Christ that's any less than who he is. So no less than Christ and what I think of him and appreciate than who he is. And I don't want my life to be about anything else. Anything inferior. Anything distracting. I want nothing else less. I want nothing less than Christ for the pursuit of my life. And so, so we're going to hit both those avenues. And that's why it's sort of an ambiguous title. No less than understanding who he is. And then, then I'm not going to settle for anything less than pursuing him. So that's sort of Colossians, and that's where we're going to be going. Um, and Colossians is a, an epistle. Okay? It's a letter. And it's written by Paul. And Paul was an academic. Now we, now we have enjoyed, we did the, the book of Acts, we did the, the first half a couple years ago, we did the second half this year. We've seen a lot of narratives about what Paul did. And we've seen Paul speak and talk to people at a lot of different times. We've seen his actions. Now we're actually going to read a letter that he wrote. And, and, and Paul, he, he's pretty specific and detailed, and, there, and there, there's content. So we're, gonna, we're not going to flow through Colossians in like, you know, a chapter or so a week. We're really going to slow down because there's a lot of content and meat. And, he's, he, and, and so, that, so it's going to be a different sort of approach going through Colossians. So you'll even notice today, I mean, today we have eight verses, um, which is a lot less than 36 or something that we do. We go through a whole chapter at times. And so we'll sort of enjoy that as we go through the book of Colossians. And so, my, my, so that's my hope. My hope is that... Um, I do really enjoy this time of getting to know this book, but also getting to know Christ. And we'll come to a better appreciation of who he is and what he's done for us so that we'll live for him as well. Now, so that, that's, that's Colossians. Um, I think if there's anything else I want to say about Colossians, I don't think, oh, that's what I want to say. I'd recommend for you guys to do this. If you can, and I would just recommend it. 
Every week, just read the book. It's really short. Okay, here you go. You ready? Here's page one. Page two. Page three. Oops. A teeny bit on page four. Less than 20% of page four. Okay, so you can do this whole book 10 minutes, maybe 15 if you want to, maybe, I mean, if you really want to slow down, you know, maybe 20. Okay, so you can read this book. So I just encourage you, each week, just be reading through the book of Colossians because you, you'll, you'll understand it a lot more, you'll appreciate this a lot more if you actually spend time in the book. So I just encourage you, just, just read, read the book. Um, and so it's a great book. And so I, I'm just sort of making it a habit. Uh, I've, been, I've been trying to do some memory work in Colossians. And so it, it's been a lot of fun to do that. Um, and just as a part of that, I try to read the book regularly so it just keeps getting in my mind. And so it's just been, I've, I'm really enjoying Colossians. So I hope you guys are going to enjoy it as much as, as, much as, as I've been enjoying it. Okay. So, so for this week, we're going to start in the first eight verses. Um, and I sort of add, for the greeting time, you know, we asked you guys, you know, if, if you've been on a good team or something, you know, what was the thing about that team that made it good? What was it, what was it that really sort of made, what was this like, like Jacob said, what was the special sauce? You know, what was it that team that actually was, what, what made it fun? And for some people have teams, you know, it's like, oh, we're all good friends. You know, others like, you know, we have, you know, we have clearly defined roles. We all play a part or, heck, we just won. You know, that, that's what we like about our, you know, different things that we like about teams. Um, and today, I, I, what the concept I want to give you is, um, we're really all on a team. We really are. And, and and this is this crazy reality that, that God is doing something. God is at work and he's actually doing something really big. And we're actually all a part of it. And so, so my main point is sort of interesting. It's just pretty simple. It's just that yeah, we're a part of something big God's doing. God is doing something. We're all on the team. God is doing something big and we're all a part of it. So we're going to look at this passage together. We're going to see how, how we get the description of, of, of us being God's people of us being in Christ, of us being family, and us having embraced the gospel that God is, is really causing to spread all over the world. Um, and that God is about something. And we're a part of it. And so, so it's interesting. The first, these first, first section in Colossians, Paul's really, he's writing to a group of folks that he's actually never met in person. And he's sort of, it's almost like, I, I, I was telling Teresa, I don't know if this is a great, greatest example or not, but it's almost like you have like a, a grandfather figure in a family talking to a grandchild who is who's maybe 10 years old or 12 years old he's saying hey you're, you're like so, so let's, let's say pretend I have grand, I don't have grandkids but I don't have a 10 year old grandkid but pretend I had a 10 year old grandkid I'm saying you know what you're a part of the Simpson family tree you're a part of this I love you and I'm excited that you're a part of this. And this is what we're about. We have, you know, we're about people that are going to pursue Christ. And we're going to pass that down in our family. And we're going to be, we have, we have little silly sayings, you know, Simpsons never quit. Or we have these things, we, we have little things that, that are just about us as a family. You know, we, we have this strange heritage. And you're a part of that. And I am just delighted. And I want you to know that. And I want you to feel that. And I want you to own it. I want you to engage in that. Because you're going to be a part of this going on and on and on and on. And that's what Paul does with the Colossians today. He says, hey, you're, he begins the letter. He says, you're a part of something big that God is doing. 
And I'm going to tell you how you're God's, you're, you are God's people, you are family. And you're a part of this process of the gospel going forward all over the world. So I, I want you to leave this morning encouraged. Because I, I was thinking about this message, I was like, Paul was really trying to encourage the Colossians in these first eight verses. He's trying to give them a sense of who they were, what they're a part of, and what God is doing. So that's what I want us to feel this morning. I don't know if I'll be successful or not, but if, we, if we're, we're going to feel what, God, what Paul wanted the Colossians to feel, we're going to feel like, hey, I, I'm God's child. I'm a part of this family that he's put together. And I'm a part of this action, this movement of the gospel that's taking place. And I'm excited about that, and I'm going to own that. Because that's really who I am. Okay, so that, that's, where, that's where we're going to go before. So we're, we're on this team together. Okay, so I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll go back and look at it more closely. Colossians 1, 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ in our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So that's it. That's the first few verses of Colossians. I'm going to give you just a, a, a picture. You know, so, so we're, we're going to talk about today. We're a part of something big God's doing, and we're just going to see how God has invited us and incorporated us into what he's about. Now, I'm going to show you a map. Now, if you remember, I, did, I got that pointer. Good, good, good. Okay. Now, if you remember, we did the Paul's journeys. You know, he started off. Oh, I mean, I'm totally blocking you off. I, whatever. Well, I'll, I'll do both sides. But, you know, Paul started here, and he went up, and he sort of went down around, and went, popped up in the middle of Turkey, then he came down the coast, and then eventually, you know, hopped up in the northern part, and then came down to Ephesus. And then he went all the way up in here, came down to Greece, and, you know, took the boat back, came down the coast, went down, you know, then, he, then he ended up in Rome in prison. Okay, so he's in about AD 62, he's in Rome in prison. I'll do the same little... But no, he, he was here, he went here, right around here, then he came down, he went, he came to the coast here, went up in the middle, came back down, went up all around the coast around here, came back down, and then boom. Okay, so, that's Paul. Where are we today? I don't even know, it's hard to see. No, it's right in here. So he, here's Antalya, if you want to go to a great Mediterranean vacation, Antalya. It's got the trifecta of mountains, woods, ocean sweetness. Right here, Antalya. But up the coast from Antalya is a city called Colossae. Over here is Ephesus. So Ephesus is where, where Paul hung out for multiple years. You go about 110 miles east and you get this Lycus Valley, this little nestled little valley, and this little town called Colossae. It used to be important, then it went into decline. And at the time Paul's writing, it's really not too significant. Now, up, 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 up from it, you have some more significant places like Laodicea, like Pergamum, like Hierapolis. Now, those are real places. They got stuff going on. Colossae, not so much. But, what does Colossae have in it? It's got this guy named Epaphras. 
Okay, and so, so you're going to hear, the book of Colossians is very interesting because Paul probably wrote it from prison in Rome. But while Paul had been in Ephesus, it's very likely that one of this guy from Colossae named Epaphras, and maybe another guy named Onesimus, we don't know if he came at the same time or not, they probably came over to Ephesus and heard the gospel, went back over to their city, and started a group of, shared their faith with people there. And a little church formed. And so, so even when we read the passage today, it says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, you know. That's what happened. So in this little, so, so Paul's writing to this little bitty, not just little, little city. And at the end of the letter, you'll see that if you read the whole book, through, he says, after you've had this read of the church of Colossae, see that it's also read of the church in Laodicea and, you know, whatever else. And so, so that, that's sort of an introduction to Colossians. It's a little place. Um, and, it's, and it's a letter that Paul wrote to people that he had never met, but a church had been started by Epaphras. Um, and so that, that's, that's Colossae. Now, the... the, the the interesting thing here, with, with most letters that you'll see in the New Testament, it begins with, who's it from, who's it to, blessing, then thanks, prayer. I mean, it's just a formula. Who's it from, who's it to, grace and peace, sort of the blessing thing, then there's a thankfulness, and then there's a prayer. Okay, so today the content of 1, two, eight, one through 8 is, who's it from, who's it to, blessing, and the thanks. We don't get to the prayer yet. He talks, but he does, he does say, we always thank God when we pray for you, this, this, this. But the content of the prayer actually starts, of what he prays for them, is in nine. Okay? So, so that, that, that's a formula that Paul does in all his letters. You want to read some letters, just have fun, go read them. Go, boop, just read the first few verses, and you'll see that thing. But what's interesting is the content of those, who's it from, who's it to, blessing, and thanks. The content of those, he adjusts each time related to the specific situation. And so we're going to walk through, so some of it's sort of common, but some of it's specific to the people in Colossae. So I just want you to think this morning, just as we, as we think of the context of Colossians, it's not an important place, and they're not necessarily that important of a people. Okay? So, okay. At Dawson right now, are we in an important place in Dawson? We're in a back room on the third floor, upstairs in a dark room in the windows. <laughs> So yes, we're in an essential, crucial realm. We're in the heart, the inner sanctum. Yeah, no. Okay, so, so we're in an unimportant place. I mean, some of you may be incredibly important. I'm not so much. Okay, so we're unimportant people. So this letter could be written to us. Unimportant place, unimportant people. But who are God's people? And he's letting them know who they are and what he has and what they're a part of. Okay? So he begins, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So the author, Paul, and Timothy is there with him. Okay? And so Timothy may have been writing, we don't know, but they're together. Okay? Then, and he, he's pretty straightforward, an apostle, I'm not going to stop you, he's, he's really sent from God, he's about Christ, by the will of God, you know, God's in charge of this stuff. Timothy, this is his family language already starting to come up, brother. And then verse 2, he says, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ... Now, depending on your translation, your, your, your translation may say the word... Does anybody have another translation? Instead of holy brothers, what is this? Holy people, what does it say? Saint. Okay? And so, and so in, any, in any language translation stuff, you've you got you to make some decisions what you're going to talk about. You've got to make a decision, because a word can, be, can mean multiple things. Today, in our society, we hear the word saint. What do we think of? 
They think of the Catholic Church, think of people who've been formally adopted as saints who have performed at least one miracle, have been approved by the Pope. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? And so, so a lot, some translations choose another word that communicates more clearly. These are God's holy people. Literally, the word means the holy ones. And so, but then the word actually, they say saint. But that, that concept is, what he's saying is that you are God's holy people. You can call them, I mean, we are not, you're all saints. Okay? Really? You haven't been formally recognized, you haven't had a, a miracle that's been verified, you haven't been canonized. But in God's eyes, you're holy. You're a saint. That's how he sees you. So the first thing I want you to understand is that you're God's people. You're his. In this backwater town, in a valley, next to a river, in the Klein, God's holy people in Colossae, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. That's significant. I just want you to sit on that for a second, because that's pretty encouraging. The scripture would call you saints. We'll call you God's holy people. That's pretty awesome. Now we'll find out some more why. But he says, faithful brothers and sisters, why? In Christ. You are identified with Christ. And we're going to find that more and more and more. But he goes on, verse 3, he says, we all, verse 2, I finished it. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. What Paul's, he's like, the Hebrew greeting is shalom, peace. The Greek greeting was sort of like a blessing. They say charis, grace, you know. But he sort of, he, he really pulls them together saying grace. He's saying God has, God has given us grace and peace from God. So he's, he's speaking this blessing of the things that God gives, both grace and peace over the people. Very, it became a common blessing for, for believers. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father. Now we're going to talk about this more. I just want to see, not only are you God's people, you're also now family. He's already talked to Timothy as our brother. He said, God is our Father. Right? And he's going to go on and talk about it more and more. But that, that I, I should want to just grab, I'm gonna, we'll read the rest of the passage, we'll keep reading. But get those two concepts. You're God's people, holy in his eyes, and your family. Like actually, just, just turn your heads to the left and the right, and if someone's behind you, turn it all the way around, and someone's in front of you, just look forward. Okay. You guys are actually family. Now, do you all look alike? No. <laughs> Good answer. You don't. You have different education, different ethnicities, different social status, different background, different interests. But there's actually a family of the people of Christ. So now, the, so you're God's people and you've actually become a family. Now, isn't that interesting? I mean, family's pretty significant, isn't it? It, it, you know, you don't always get along with family, but there's something about family. There's a connection in family. There's a safety in family. There's an identity in family. And Paul takes that image and says, this is who you are. You are God's people, you are holy, and you are now family. 
Even you people in the backwater Colossae, your family. Your family. And so just notice the family language that comes. So he goes, when Paul's doing, he's thanking them. So he's beginning the thing with his thanks. That's what he always does. Because we thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So Paul's praying for him. He's thankful for him. It's because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. This is the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up from you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. But he encourages them for their faith in Christ Jesus. He goes, oh man, we're so thankful that you have your faith in Christ. And that expresses itself in what? In love for God's people. Now, now he's, he's never been there, but he's heard about them from Epaphras. Saying, this is who you are. You're God's people. You're family. And I'm so thankful that you're God's. I'm so thankful you put your faith in Christ. I'm so thankful that you're expressing this love of family. You, you recognize that something has happened. You've put your faith in Christ and you have a new identity. And you have a community, a new community that is your family. And I'm so excited that you have faith in Christ and you have love. And you know how this has all come about? He says it springs from the hope that is stored up from you in heaven about what you've heard in the gospel that has come to you. He almost is speaking backwards. If you had said it chronologically at first, you said, Epaphras has come to you, he shared the gospel, you believed, you had faith, then you loved people, and I'm so thankful. And he's sort, of, he sort of replaying the story in reverse order. saying, I'm thankful for you, for your faith and love, and for having this stuff, because the gospel has come to you. And it came through Epaphras. But I want to look at how the gospel's come. Look at what he says. He says, first of all, he says, the faith and love stored up from you, the spring from the hope stored up from you in heaven about what you've already heard in the true message of the gospel. In other words, there's an element of our faith that is forward-looking. There's an element that, that, that expresses itself in life now. But there's an element to which that we are looking forward to the time of when things will be different. And we're looking forward to the time when the new heaven and the new earth comes and there's no more sin. And we enjoy the unmediated presence of Christ. And it will be awesome. We'll experience God's design for creation fully and unhindered. That's awesome. Okay, so we're looking forward to that. But we're not there yet. We're in the process where this message is going around. So look what, look what he says. He says in verse 5, he says, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in heaven from you, but you've already heard in the message of the gospel, the true message of the gospel has come to you. He says, In the same way, like it's come to you, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So this dude, Epaphras, comes probably to Ephesus, hears from Christ, goes back to his hometown, shares the gospel. And what's been happening? The gospel's been bearing fruit. The simple story of Christ... The Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised from the dead, and through faith in him we have forgiveness and life. We enjoy God's presence and we enjoy that now and forever. Our sins are forgiven. That simple message bore fruit in Colossae. He goes, Jesus has been bearing fruit among you. It's doing it all over the whole world. Think about that. So this guy goes back to his hometown, shares with his family and friends, and a church has begun. 
And people hear this message and it grows and it grows and it grows as people hear about Christ and fall in love with him and become the body of Christ and become family. And this is happening all over the world. So think about that. This guy hears Paul, goes back, shares it with his people. A church begins that receives this letter from Paul that becomes a part of Scripture that blesses the church for all time. That's pretty crazy. See, we are truly God's people. We are family. And we're a part of this big thing God's doing. You know what God's doing? Person by person, house by house, business by business, school by school, suburb by suburb, city by city, state by state, region by region, country by country. God is moving the message of Jesus Christ all over the world. And it happens as people like Epaphras talk to people around him in insignificant places with insignificant people like you and me. And we become the people of God. And we become family. And it continues. And it continues. And it continues. See, we're a part of something huge that God is doing. He's calling us to be his people. He's calling us to be family. And he's inviting us to be a part of this reality spreading all over the world. From generation to generation. From location to location. As people encounter him. That's pretty awesome. So you're God's people. Your family. And you're a part of something huge God's doing. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this letter to the Colossians. To a city we have a hard time even figuring out where it is, where there's almost no remains, and you know, it's just it's just it's a blip. We thank you how you worked through Epaphras to bring the gospel to this area, to his hometown. We thank you that just like him and just like all the people in that city, we're yours. We're holy and forgiven because you've accomplished that in us. We're family because you've invited us into your family. And we're a part of this process of the gospel going forward because we've received it and we get to share it. Thank you. God, help us this week. Maybe some of us need to be reflecting on our view of ourself. Maybe some of us have a hard time saying that we're really holy in your sight. That we're accepted. That we're forgiven. I mean, we've done things that we, just, we think, God, you can't forgive me. Or we, we get in patterns. We go, God, you can't overcome that. And you say, you say to us, you say to us that you are mine. Some of us feel disconnected. Some of us feel like we don't fit. Thank you that you've invited us to be a family. 
for culture and language and ethnicity and socioeconomic scale and education and religious history or past sins have no bearing. We are family. Maybe there's some ways that you, you put on our heart by your spirit today that we can live as family. Or maybe today you want to you impress on our hearts just this concept of the gospel. That you challenge us to be like Epaphras. To take the message you've given us and just to bring it into our daily lives. To pray for those among us. To point people to Christ. And just to reflect your love to those around us. In hopes that your kingdom will grow. Thank you for engaging us and inviting us into this grand adventure of yours. This big thing that you're doing. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.